Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Comics. I am Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Good morning, Taylor. Hey, Todd, uh, and hello to you listeners out there. This is the show where Todd and I will go through comics and graphic novels each week and talk about them and talk about the coffee we're drinking and, and kind of create a nice, comfy little atmosphere where you can hear about a new book or two and hopefully uh, take that with you on your way to the, the, the comic shop that week. Yeah, but we're not doing that this week, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We're, we're, nice kind of are. we're, we're uh, Todd and I were talking like it's. It, we have a lot of different things we want to chat about this week, and so we uh, we're going to take a different approach. This is going to be kind of a special one shot uh, episode. Um, we're going to talk about a couple different things, but first, as per tradition, uh, what coffee are you drinking this morning, Todd? If any. Oh, uh, I am not drinking coffee. I'm drinking again back on my gunpowder green tea. Uh, oh. you know, I prepared it in a very special way. I put a mug in the microwave and hit <laughs> beverage. I don't even know how long it took. <laughs> what wow. about yourself? Wow. Going, going just ba- bare bones and basic. Um, I am drinking. I decided to go back to Switchback Coffee, who I've mentioned several times on these on these episodes. They are a local Colorado Springs-based roaster. And I, of course, have, uh, once again, the Golden Age Espresso which always makes me laugh because I always think every time I say it or think about it, I always want to say golden era productions or golden age of tech. <laughs> it's the golden uh, age of espresso. <laughs> the golden age of espresso. Like I just want to see Elron Hubbard's face on the bag. Just, you know, like kind of, you know, that sort of fish, <laughs> fishy eyes and mouth, just like looking back at you. Like this is a golden age of espresso. <laughs> it's fantastic. I just, I'm so proud of Colorado Springs is coffee roasters. Um, you know, five, six years ago, there wasn't, there really wasn't anything down here and now they're just popping up everywhere and they're really dang good. So if you're ever in the Springs or if you ever want to really branch out, hit up switchbackroasters.com and grab anything, but in, in particular, the golden age of espresso. Yes. Um, you delivered to you by the Commodore's messenger. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Oh God, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm going to struggle so hard not to just riff and re- reference on that. <laughs> by the way, by the way, for you cult watchers at home, <laughs> Random aside, I sent Todd a link yesterday because Todd and I, we, we like watching the cults and, and, and seeing what's coming up. But there's a new one for you. <laughs> like to uh, know, yeah, get the there, new releases. There's a new, yeah, there's a new cult out there for you crazy kids looking to get involved. Um, <laughs> just all I'm going to say is just Google Teal Swan. Teal Swan. Uh, that's all you got to Google. You're gonna start to see a lot of stuff. Uh, it's a she's kind of creepy. It's it's a it's a lady who's uh, she's trying pretty hard to to build the next Scientology. So just you know, quick little <laughs> tip about that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about comics, <laughs> comics, not comics and cults. Todd, coffee and comics. And yeah. um, <clears throat> before we jump into some other topics, I just I think uh, we're not going to talk about books per se, but I do want to catch up on. Uh, I think both of us are reading a lot of single issues. I think it was uh, good to mention just come, some of the things were mentioned you were reading that will probably appear on, on a future Coffee and Comics episode. So you, sir, what, what do you got going on? What, do, what, what are some new picks that you want to let the listeners know about? Well, do, uh, do greatly to a uh, friend of the pod, um, uh, Drew Huddleston's uh, endorsement. I've gone, we, so we read The Vision by Tom King, mm-hmm. uh, the three of us, and we had a podcast where we talked with Drew uh, about that. And um I've gone back and started reading those Tom King Batmans that he referenced mm. and it's leading up to a Batman Catwoman uh, marriage event. If that has not already happened in the weekly series, I'm not sure, but directly after that is a, a Catwoman 
um, solo book that they're starting again. So I have put that on my pull list. It has not come out yet. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm catching up on those Tom Kings. Uh, I've also picked up the first couple issues of Domino um, by Gail Simone. Mm. Um, so that's the character that we all just saw in Deadpool 2. Um, this is, I was actually kind of hoping that this might uh, be a little bit closer to the Deadpool 2 characterization of her. Um, but it is, it's, it's not, it's sort of like traditional canon, which is not too different. It's just, um, it, you know, it's, it's not a woman of color. It's like a, you know, well, actually you don't know cause her skin, her skin is like super crazy white and she has this one, you know, domino like uh, eye tattoo. Sort whoa, of whoa, 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 whoa. So in the comics, she's not, she's not black. Uh, I, I, no, I, I wouldn't think so. That's so fascinating because for me, that was like, like she was, I'm just going to say this in the movie. She was my favorite character. Um, and oh, I, yeah. I never thought, I mean, even by Good the previews, I, I kind of thought, kind of thought, eh, I mean, I, I, they just, they threw her in there and I thought she was going to be like, just okay. But she ended up being my favorite character. And by the way, she was really freaking sexy in that movie. And I never thought like, and that not just because she's a, you know, a non-white, but just like, she just, she oozed confidence and oh, she oozed like just I, I, everything about her was just sexy as hell. And so like, it's weird that they wouldn't want to capitalize on that version of the character in the comics and, and you know, and kind of just copy it full, you know, full. What do you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, I mean, honestly, when they're, when they were relaunching a domino title or launching it, I don't know if there's ever a solo title before. That's what I thought. I was like, well, obviously it's because Deadpool two's out. And I, I really thought they would borrow a lot, kind of, you know, retcon some stuff, but, um, uh, but they didn't, but I didn't, you know, e- even when I realized that I just wanted to pick to read it because it was Gail Simone and um, she's uh, written a bunch of other stuff that I've read. I think she was on a Batgirl run for a while um, that I liked. And uh, uh, oh man, I'm hard pressed to name other stuff right now, but it's Gail Simone. Just go Google her. Yeah, she's, yeah, exactly. she's been around and if exactly. you're familiar, it's, she's kind of one of those legendary, legendary creators. So I read the first two issues and then you know, the next time I was in the comic shop said, put this on my pull list as well. Um, it was that interesting, you know, enough for me, like the the writing of it, I guess, and how they just jump right into it. And I really love the art. Um, I don't have an issue in front of me, so I can't tell you who the artist is, but it was, uh, it was great. And then uh, I picked up the single issue of, uh, a, it was the number one issue of Black Panther, the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. Um, <laughs> and... Wow. Honestly, it's, <laughs> you know, we talked last week about, do we ever say bad things about comics? And I wouldn't say any bad things about this, just not for me. It was mm. you and I talked about this off air a couple of days ago. I was giving it as an example of like, you know, it's just one of those single issues. I picked it up to see what it was like. And, you know, didn't, it didn't really connect. It's kind of like in this, you know, it's a, uh, uh, boy, I, I couldn't even begin to describe the story, but it's not T'Challa in, Wakanda like on the earth <laughs> interesting so yeah it's like a you know uh, uh, and maybe it's maybe not- it follows from the series that's been going on or this is like a flash forward or something and and it's more interesting for people who've been following along the regular series but uh for me out of context it was it was hard to <laughs> to get into was it a uh, it's not an elseworlds book is it no i think it's just a uh, um i think it's a thing where it's like I don't think they actually like anyone labels stuff like as Elseworlds or ultimate anymore. I think they just, they get around that by doing like flash forwards, you know, to a possible future or something Mm, like that. And 
as I recall, that's what it is. It's like a little bit in the future and there's sort of a history of, I mean, there's some really interesting ideas in it. And, um, uh, I'll mispronounce his name, but Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing it, who has been writing the regular series for a while. Um, and, uh, so the ideas are cool, but it was one of those things where the art and the story and the context of it, I just didn't, you know, I was like, I don't, Mm. I don't know how to get into this. What's well, uh, I'm glad you said that because like we were talking previously, we're like, man, should we ever talk about books we don't like? And I think you know when it happens, especially like in this case, uh, and you make you can give a quick reference to it. I think it's I think it's totally appropriate because we you know I think the books that we talk about at length we should probably like, otherwise it's going to be unless yeah, good point. We don't want to you know, we don't want to spend a whole episode uh, trashing something, and I wouldn't trash this. It's it's not even you know it's not a it's not a bad book. It's just a book I didn't connect with. So that's the. Okay, I'm so glad you said it that way because so many of the like there is not a single book I have picked up in the last four years of me getting heavily back into comics where like if I didn't like it, it wasn't like, well, this is garbage. It was like, this just isn't for me. Yeah. Like it, it, and it's so interesting because like how many times have you heard a song you're like, that's shit? Or yeah. you're like you watch a movie, you're like, no. <laughs> you know, well, and you, you kind of it's uh, at least I do sometimes like I kind of pass universal judgment on things, but I never do that with I never do that with comics. And I think it's just there's some kind of part of me that, that respects um, because there's so many things that go into the making of a comics on the art side and the writing side and you know, just everything about it um, that it's like, look, if this you know, configuration didn't line up to me, that's not, that's not faulting it. I'm sure somewhere yeah. out there, there's somebody who's like, no, no, that's my favorite thing. And it's weird that that doesn't translate into other art for me, at least, you know, on, on pop art. And maybe it's, maybe that's where I draw the line. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. What about you? What uh, single issues are you picking up? Well, before I mention my single issues, I do want to give quick uh, reference or quick re- uh, yeah reference to there's a Tom King book coming out later this year that I uh, had hit you and drew up about called Heroes in Crisis. And sadly, like most things, they're talking about it right now, and it's not even it's, it comes out September 28th, so you got some time. And I wish they I wish they would start being, you know hyping it when you could actually go and buy it you know at, at the time of hyping it. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah, check that out. It's it looks like it's Tom King sort of. Watchmen style deconstruction, but using actual current contemporary DC heroes. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I I've started getting uh, as you may know, I'm I'm a big image fan, and and some of my favorite image no. titles are. I, <laughs> I know I know it's a confession that I'm going to be making right now uh, for the first time. A lot of my favorite image titles are actually on hiatus right now, or are um, you know maybe they finished and then they're, they're not coming back for a while which is, I guess, is hiatus, but some of them are, they're, they're mid story and they're just like, yeah, we're taking a break. Uh, so I've been looking around for some new series to get into. And there are two in particular, I thought were worth mentioning. One is called the weatherman and issue one came out uh, last week or the week before. It's got a really cool title uh, or sorry, cover uh, with a really good sort of graphic design, kind of vibe going on. Um, and it's, uh, it's an image title by Jody LaHoop, Le- Nathan Fox and Dave Stewart. Uh, kind of a cool little sort of, uh, what's like disco punk or disco funk like uh, noir, where there's this guy who's kind of like this crazy like disc jockey weatherman who's who's been accused of of uh, the destruction of the earth, and uh, oh, of course, it's not quite clear why that is. And at the very end of issue one, he's you know that's sort of set in motion, and the the story is going to go on from there. But the art is really freaking interesting and compelling, and like even if I I mean it's one of those kind of reverse of the normal where like I really like I could just I could just look at the pictures, like how they draw buildings and rooms and things are just, it's really freaking good. And the color's really good. So the art hooked me more first and foremost. And the story, if it's a little weak, I'll, it's not to be 
I don't know that yet, but if it ends up being that that way, I'll probably still uh, you know, roll with it. The other one I'm a little bit more excited about is the Magic Order by Mark Millar or Mark Miller and Oliver Olive. Is it Olivier oh, is Copiel? Yeah, Got the it. dude that did uh, the Unworthy Thor. Yeah, and oh my god, and this is one of the first uh, uh, new series under Millar World's Netflix partnership. Um, in fact, on the very back cover, there's a big old Netflix logo. And oh, at the Lord. end of the issue, there are a couple ads for Netflix things like Luke Cage and other such, other such books. So, um, you know, it's the first sort of, and, and the way I understand the Millar World Netflix partnership is that uh, he's, you know, he's doing all these new series and it's an image, you know, images is, is releasing it and distributing it. But my guess is they're going to make, they're, they're creating these new series with the eye towards a movie or TV show, like instantly right. optioned. Yeah. So as you're reading this, like, I'm, I, I'm just like, oh my God, this will probably be a Netflix series next year. It's so good though. It's a, it's basically a mob, a mob or mafia story where all the mob families are are magical families. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, the American Harry Potter grown up. um, Oh, okay. Grown up series. It's, you know, they, they, they brandish wands and there's, you know, there's kind of a lot of like, there's, there's, there's a one member of the magical family kind of took himself out of the equation. Another one's kind of like the aloof, you know, sort of just, he's, He's, he's uh, basking in kind of the glory and doesn't really care much and just kind of appears and disappears. It's really freaking cool. And it's Mark Millar. So if you like him, uh, it's got a lot of his usual sort of um, style. Uh, but the art is really freaking good. Um, it start, you know, like most of these things, it starts off with a murder. And so you get to see, you know, kind of the, there's a lot of who done it and a lot of, um, you know, detective work and stuff. And this first issue just sets up the characters. And um, even the cover, you'll see like these four people kind of standing above a city and they're just kind of standing in midair, like they're, they're floating in air. So it's, you get a, you get a sense of the kind of the cool and the, and the, and just the style and the aesthetic of it. But anyway, yeah, the magic <laughs> order, pick it up. I'll stop there. Cause I'm trying not to spoil too much. Oh, nice. Um, outside of comics though, you've been, you, we've seen a few movies you've saw, you've seen more than me, but like, uh, I think solo and the Incredibles two have come out since, uh, well, since we last talked about movies, but yeah. Have you seen solo yet? I did. I finally did see solo. Oh, I, was, good. I was debating it um, based on both reviews and just the fact that I'm, I'm a little bit star Wars, star Wars fatigued at the moment, but yeah, I did. I did finally. I, mean, go see it. I think they screwed up so bad by releasing this in may and not, I don't understand it. Not waiting till December. Yeah. Um, it was a little weird. It's a uh, little- and I don't know if they were anticipating a, like if they were anticipating kind of, I mean, I know they originally scheduled it that way. I think rogue one was scheduled that way too. And they ended up pushing rogue one to Christmas. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. There's been lots of discussion that, you know, star Wars has taken that, you know, like for the longest time, Lord of the Rings was like every Christmas you'd gather with your friends and you'd go see it. You know, the Hobbit took that scene, you know, when they came out. Well, and I know for a fact that the Hobbit, when they decided to split it into three movies, it was originally going to come out like, you know, he was like, Oh yeah. Like three to six months later. And then it was almost a year later before the mm. last part came out. So mm. um, I, you know, I just wonder what happened with solo. Uh, I saw it this week too. Uh, y- you <laughs> asked me Friday, maybe uh, about uh, like a couple days ago, you, you said, uh, what'd you think? And then you're like, Oh, don't tell me I'll find out on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah uh, exactly. I mean, I, I loved it. Like it wasn't as, uh, magic for me as like rogue one. I mean, I just rogue one continues to blow me away. 
Oh, anyway. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and oh, I, man, you can rinse and repeat that. And what's yeah. funny about Rogue One is that the very first time I saw the original Star Wars A New Hope, it was like the late 80s. It was at my grandparents' house. We rented it on VHS. I remember watching it going, holy crap, I want to see that again right now and like rewatch it because like there's so many things that you, you know, and it, yeah. Rogue One did that magic trick where you're like, you're, fami- you're pretty familiar with what this world looks like and feels like. And yet you want to rinse and repeat it so many times just to catch more detail, catch more, you know, how they sort of, flip things to make them feel fresh and new again. Yeah. Um, And, and sort of the magic of like uh, telling a new story that connected, you know, literally seamlessly with the story from my childhood that I enjoyed. And Um, it was a story that was like, you're like, wow, I'm glad I I feel like, I'm glad I got to see that story. It's not like, you know, it's better in your own mind's eye. And it's just kind of like this legend that you hear about. It's like, no, no, that was necessary to see play out because it's even more epic than I thought it would be. I, I, so I think what I got from solo was this was what I kind of expected from the uh, side stories that, you know, star Wars, when they rebooted, they announced like, we're going to do the last trilogy. And then we're going to do three like sort of side stories. I didn't realize rogue one was going to connect, you know, to new hope. I don't, I don't know that anybody knew that ahead of time. Um, Like it's so directly as it did. You know, I thought this is just going to be a side story that sort of happens before, you know, in the timeline. Um, and Solo, uh, so, but Solo is what I expected from those side stories. Uh, I didn't, you know, like, I, I thought that the lead actor, you know, was a great Han Solo, but it wasn't, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I expected from him. Um uh, but I, you know, if they'd made other solo movies, I wouldn't mind seeing him and Chewie team up a couple of times and <laughs> go have adventures. I uh, thought it was, I thought it was fine. Um, you know, and it, it was, it was well made, but it just kind of felt too paint by numbers to me where it's like, okay, there's this, there's this, like, I get it. And I, you know, if you're a big fan of star Wars, I'm sure it was just, it, I wish they'd waited till December, like we said, but you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with it existing. I just, for me, they either could have made it way earlier. So they could, they should have, or could have cast like a, you know, 21 year old Han Solo or make it feel like, Hey, this is still 20 years away from a new hope, something where it felt more removed. Cause as it stands and correct me if I'm wrong, is this, this is like eight years before Tatooine before he shows up in that, in the cantina. Right. Yeah. I didn't really do the math. But I did, I, there was, and I think there was sort of maybe intentionally left a little vague there, you know, because I kept trying to guess at his age, you know, like what he was supposed to be. Um, but I, I think that that totally fits because I think when they leave, uh, this is not a, a spoiler alert, but there's a comment about a big guy with a job and I assume that's job of the hut. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's just sort of what I thought. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, it looks so good and real, like in the yeah. new oh, yeah. version of the Star Wars universe, like every what we've been seeing since The Force Awakens, like it is a very tactile universe, unlike yeah. the prequels, which were yeah. just, you know, um, uh, you know, d- digitally generated like this is, you know, it felt so real. And there are a ton of good character moments. Like I loved the I love the interplay between Chewbacca and, and Han Um I thought I really thought Woody Harrelson just I love him as an actor, but I really thought just even putting that actor in the universe might be a little distracting, but it was totally was not. And um, it's funny. I was thinking I was worried about the same thing. I'm like, man, like it's I can't 
because he works really well in Hunger Games, right? He kind of blends into that world, or he he's a necessary element to make that world come alive. I, one, yeah, was, I've never seen the Hunger Games, so well, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I was a but, little worried that he, it would be like, and here's Woody Harrelson, like just right, in Star right, Wars, right. and it, it, yeah, you're right. He did. He really kind of figured out his gear. I just, I here's my here's my biggest problem. Like, and again, it's it, the movie was fine. A I think it was it, if there seems to be sort of uh, two versions of Star Wars movies out right now. There are the very paint by numbers, like this is what you expect, a la Force Awakens. Like we're gonna, you know, we're checking off a list. Yeah, you know, here's the list. Then there's like the other ones that are like, whoa, I never saw that coming, a la The Last Jedi. Mm. And it seems like a movie is either one or the other. It's like you know, it's either, it's gonna be one of the. I I don't know. Strangely enough, I don't know where you put Rogue One. Um, I, I think Rogue One is probably in the latter column, even though it feels like they're checking boxes. It's like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Whoa, I didn't expect that. Well, it's it just, but they just, it, it felt a little safer, I think, than Last Jedi, just because it was, it had to sort of connect a timeline. I feel like Solo's very, very much in that Force Awakens camp. So it's from that perspective, I'm like, man, what would this have looked like if it, if it was, you know, had less budget? I just, I, I think I, I'm just wanting something to look and feel a little different. If there, if there's going to be this many star Wars movies, why not make mm. them, you know, let them kind of breathe and feel a little bit different. And uh, the two guys who were originally directing it were the Lego movie guys. And I kind of really thought there'd be a little bit more improv, a little bit more humor. And I think they got cut because that's not what Kathleen Kennedy and star Wars corporate wanted. You know, I think they wanted something a little bit more like what we got. The other problem I had was just that Alden Emmerich, it, he's almost as the he's almost the age that Harrison Ford was when he played Han Solo. Right, right. I think 31, 32. So I think he's like four or five years younger than that. So it's like, if that's going to be the case, he's they should have cast an actor that looked a little closer to Harrison Ford. I know they were looking at a few that would have been closer physically. Um, and like this, I think Brady St. Ellis was the one who said like the, there's several times throughout Solo where you're like, man, is Alden Emmerich just like, is he just auditioning for the, like a, a Jack Nicholson sort of role at some point? Because there's elements where I'm like, man, he's more Jack Nicholson than he is Harrison Ford. And, I, and- you know, yeah, yeah. I, <clears throat> I didn't put, I didn't think about the Jack Nicholson thing, but there's definitely, I, I guess I, what I anticipated uh, for better or worse was that he that like more of the speech ticks and things yeah. would be exactly what Harrison Ford would have done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I get that they didn't want to do it like, Oh, he's just doing an impersonation of Harrison Ford, but it did leave me a little bit feeling like, yeah, but it just doesn't connect now. And and yeah, the age yeah. thing, I didn't even think about that, but that is when I was watching it, I wasn't thinking that, but that is what was bothering me, which is like, he doesn't really look that much younger than Harrison Ford in star Wars. You know, so, um, yeah, but on the other hand, I was really afraid they were going to do something like the young Indiana Jones mm-hmm. where it was so disconnected. It's like the Boba Fett movie. I do not I, like, could not degaff more about this movie. I don't want them to make any Boba Fett. I movie. know we don't need it. Well, and here, and, and, and I'll, I'll borrow something from another podcast. So Mark Bernardin made the comment that, um, and, and I'm so glad you referenced young Indiana Jones. Cause if you remember in the third Indiana Jones movie, the last crusade, yes. it starts off with a 10 to 15 minute sort of like oh, prequel. Of, of like the actual young Indiana Jones. And you're like, and there's like, it's everything you need. It's like, hey, here's a little adventure. Here's where he gets the whip. Here's where he gets the hat. It all makes sense. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that was great. But you don't need to see, that, that's kind of all you needed. They're like, I don't really need yeah. more than this to get this character. And, and granted the TV show, like the young Indiana Jones TV series, 
basically took that and made it a series. Right. You're just like, but in the mo- in the context of the movies, where, which is where Indiana, Indiana Jones is a movie character, right? He lives in these like these 90 minute moments. So like for for that, you only need 15 minutes. I kind of felt like Solo was basically that same thing. It's like, look, I it's great you want to flash back, but we don't need more than more about 15 minutes and they made it a whole movie and that's fine and if, if Han Solo is your favorite character and you get to finally see the Kessel Run and all this stuff like I'm sure it's it's awesome like if I was like the biggest Han Solo fan I'm sure I'd think differently but for what it was I mean I'm glad I saw it but it's it's kind of like you know grab, yeah. rent it later if you're if you're hesitating I think you know watch it but th- you don't need it necessarily yeah well the <clears throat> I mean I, I enjoyed it in the theater I'm glad I, f- I finally got out to see it um uh, I wish I'd seen it opening weekend. I definitely would have would have felt more of that excitement. Yeah, that's true. At 1 yeah. p.m. on a Wednesday, but um, <laughs> it was. Uh, um, but I, I I definitely see it is one of those things of the ah, the Star Wars universe is is so vast and there's so many stories they could tell, but it's also so corporate and yeah, yeah. I, you know even though just this week you know uh, I saw Ryan Johnson on on Twitter said that he was given absolute free reign with last Jedi. There were no, there were no check boxes to tick off. Is mm. what saying. Um, Which by the way, but by the way, just what's worth mentioning there, uh, Ryan Johnson is doing a, a series of new star Wars movies. Uh, John Favreau is doing either a series of movies or a TV show. The game of Thrones guys apparently are doing something involved with star Wars. I, I, I am shuddering at the fact that there's potentially 12 to 15 new star Wars things each year now for the next 20 years. I, I man, it's going to be, it's going to be, and, and, and is it one of those film? Is it one of those film? We can talk more of this in a second. Cause we have another whole topic that's tangentially yeah. connected. Yeah, to star we'll Wars, talk but, about yeah. You know, like, is it, is it something where, you know, was it special because it was a movie that came out every three years for the longest time. And then, and then, and then, you know, then 20 years went by and then every three years again. So it's like when you jam that much into it, is it, does, you know, is that just, yeah, is it going to feel a little awkward? Anyway, what you saw Incredibles yeah. two as well? Oh, I did. Um, that was oh, man, that was so good. <laughs> was it as uh, good, I mean, better than the first one? I think that's the big question everybody has. I, you know, I, ugh, I hate, I hate judging better or worse. Um, I, I hate saying it's better because it makes the other one sound worse. Um, but yeah, I was a huge fan of the first one, and this one, I mean. You know, it's we're kind of in the dilemma you're you're describing, but when they actually pull it off, like yeah, they you can imagine like uh, uh I don't know, I don't I don't feel like it was check boxes that they were ticking off, but they I had a concept for this that is so perfect. It starts the minute Incredibles one ends. Oh wow! And it, and <laughs> they don't do that thing where they're like they're like you know, and then like a year later, like they don't do that. Do nope. they? It's oh. like remember how the underminer comes up at the very end. Yeah, and they all put their masks on in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, that's where we pick up. I mean, Holy there's like an, there's an intro scene that sort of sets it up, and you're going like, "Wait, what? Is, you know, what are they? What are these two characters talking about?" And then we're in the parking lot, and you're like, Dang. "What?" <laughs> um, and and it is a, I mean, it is just such an enjoyable like, you know, it looks beautiful. If anything, obviously the animation has totally improved in the past 14 years. So it just I can't believe it's been 14 years. What the yeah. hell? There's <laughs> actually a little short uh, intro from the three main actors like Sam Jackson and uh, Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter, where they talked about the weight and 
uh, I, it was weird. Cause I was like, I, I think there, I think this was originally started out to be a joke. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it takes a while to write a movie in this case, it took 14 years, but, but then it came off really sincere. Like, Hey, thanks for waiting. And, um, kind of unnecessary in my imagination, but um, it was, uh, yeah, it's just so fun. Um, I think there's more action and uh, thankfully for my delicate sensibilities, there weren't just superheroes getting straight up murdered left and right. Like in the first one, there's a sequence in the first one where Edna Mode is talking about capes and in this like a sort of montage, like five heroes just get destroyed, like just dead. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, this was uh, like, I guess, more kid friendly in that respect. And uh, it's more about the family as a whole, which I, I really like. I don't know. The family is a whole thing in the other. They're all the crime fighting team, though. So now it's yeah, it's, well, it's yeah, the first cool. one was more about like, should you know, should we be heroes? You know, like, should we? Yeah. You know, our kids are, are trying to adjust in a real world. Like our, you know, our baby probably doesn't have powers or you know, I don't think it was. Was it clear the baby had powers in the first one until the very end? No, we knew because the babysitter, every time they would check in with the babysitter, there was a problem. And That's then there was right. eventually like a short or it was like an after credit scene or something where we see what happens between the babysitter. And That's at, the, right. yeah, yeah. at the very end, though, uh, uh, Syndrome um, picks up the baby and like is stealing him and, and carrying him up into the sky. And the baby starts transforming and changing and everything. But the, but the Incredibles did not witness that. Okay. So like syndrome ends up freaking out and dropping the baby and getting sucked into the jet engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I guess, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, Elastigirl, you know, they, they throw her up. She turns into a parachute, grabs the baby and floats down, but they did not witness the baby transforming. So that is the big gag here. And what is great is that the scene in the trailer where Mr. Incredible is like, you have powers, like where he realizes it, mm-hmm. uh, that scene is not in the movie. Well, uh, that's a trend that we've seen more and more lately where the trailers are full of these scenes that just, you don't, or they're either not in the movie or it's like the Hulk running in Avengers. We're like, he wasn't in that scene. Like, uh, and this was like, I think, I think this was not even a, um, like a scene that they, they decided to do it this way and then cut it. I I almost feel like this, I almost feel like that because that moment happens in a different way, Okay, but they didn't want to spoil the moment. Because if you had seen him dressed that, you know, in that blue shirt and, you know, running after the baby or something, you might've been like, okay, any minute now he's going to figure out about the powers, but the way it actually happens is so much more enjoyable that I think they probably just animated that strictly for the trailer. So you would know this moment, you know, something like they're going to discover he has powers in this movie. I see. Okay. Um, But yeah, it's just super fun. And um, yeah, animation is wonderful. And uh, yeah, I loved it. Let me ask uh, t- one thing to point out. It's been 14 years and, and there hasn't been some edict from Disney. That's like, this must come out like, you know, every three years, like they, Disney is smart in that they let Pixar still run its own way that it wants to. And if it's like, if it takes yeah. 14 years to do an Incredibles two, that's good. Then it's going to take 14 years. Like, yeah. you know, um, here's my question. Do you think that um, is Brad bird who directed it and directed that and uh, you know, the first one and mission impossible ghost protocol and other, you know, Twilight, iron giant, iron giant, Do you think Brad bird. Oh, that's right. He was Ratatouille too. Do you think he is uh, the most suited for something like Superman? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't seen any of his live action films. So, Oh, um, I mean, I love, I, I think ghost protocol might be my favorite mission impossible movie just cause it's, 
there's so many interesting elements and like his group, he really gets group dynamic, mm, you know, yeah. in a movie um, well, clearly. So it's, you know, everybody's like, well, make him do the fantastic four, but it's like, oh, I don't know I, if <laughs> want that. Cause he's already done his version of that. Yeah. And the Incredibles is, I, I mean, honestly, there were moments where I was watching it where, because it is so well done as animation, I was going, this is the best superhero movie. Damn. Damn. I've ever seen like just because the action sequences uh, you're, you never had that moment of like where your eye doesn't know where to focus because a whole bunch of crap is going on. Yeah. It's like, you know uh, uh, you know, bless these directors for trying to do everything as practical as possible. But often that leads to a bunch of like, you know, multiple camera angles. Cause they're all trying to catch the same explosion or moment or something. And like, mm-hmm. you know, debris and whatever. And it's like, you're, you're going, what happened? But in, in a animation, there's sort of a language of like, you can just do like, if you wanted to, you could just do sort of a like dust up, you know, and then the mm-hmm. characters come out of it and you would get the language would explain it to you. Like, Oh yeah. The visual language is like, there was a big scuffle and they fell out. But I mean, none of that happens. This is like very detailed action sequences and it just comes off so much better than live action. So oh, that's great. Yeah. It's, I would highly endorse that if, if we are, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe giving the rent solo, like solo gets a rental endorsement. Like, yeah, too, I would say go see it. And I would also recommend just <laughs> on a side note, see it as late as possible when as few children as possible no. will be in the theater with you. <laughs> That's a good point. If you see it at like, for example, (laughs) 4 p.m. on a Saturday, (laughs) it might be you and a bunch of children (laughs) who are loud and smelly and need to stand up and walk around a lot. (laughs) That it's the standing up and walking around that drives me nuts. Like I don't mind them interacting with the movie, but it's like when they're constantly having to move and pee and come back, it's like, oh god. Just yeah. cannot have a special, special suit. Well, the, we have a, uh, we have a special topic. And one of the reasons <clears> we're sort of doing a different version of this uh, show today, we have a special topic we thought was interesting to hash out on the podcast. <clears throat> and it's about, I'll just, I'll say it and I'll tell you how we got here. It's about women and specifically women who display soft power in male spaces. And I'm going to use the word franchise fiction. So movies, <laughs> comics tv shows that are you know bigger that you know have usually have multiple episodes or multiple you know parts uh releases and and all this came about because if if you're listening to this it's about it was a june 17th 2018 last week and the week before kelly marie tran who plays rose in the last jedi experienced just an utter shitstorm online where a lot of male fans and and it's not I'm just going to assume it's mostly, if not exclusively male, but I, has anybody mentioned it? Are there female fans too at all? We're giving, I mean, was anybody that wasn't a, a dude giving her hell? Do we know? Does it matter? Um, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just, I was just curious. Just, I, I just realized now we don't discuss. I, I mean, I'm sure there were in the same way that there are, you know, uh, women that defend Donald Trump, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but she was basically driven off of Instagram because of a lot of hateful, just misogynistic or even uh, racist comments. And I, I hit up Todd on, on hangouts. Cause I was like, are you aware? You're aware of this happening? Right. And he's like, yeah. And, um, I, I, I kind of was poking him a little bit in terms of like, you know, what do you know about it? What do you, th- why do you think this is happening? Cause it was, it wasn't just that it was misogynist racist comments that were he- headed her way. It was that it was specifically geared towards the last Jedi and specifically geared towards her. Right. 
And I started thinking like, well, why? It can't just be that she's a woman and that she's Asian. It can't just be that because otherwise any wo- Asian woman would be driven off of Instagram at a moment's notice. And, and even more specifically, like I was thinking about um, uh, uh, Palm uh, Clementif or Clementif who plays Mantis in Guardians. I'm like, she's Asian and a woman and was in a movie that was you know, beloved. And yet I don't, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. She, I don't think she got hardly any, hell or at least nothing nothing like what kelly marie tran or kmt as we'll call her uh was was experiencing so i'm like what was it about this what was it why her why why her so why was she given so much just nasty nonsense like it had to be something more than just misogynism racism racism in my mind and we started talking about it and todd made a really freaking good point a la a, la a question do you do you want to tell people what that question was or do you well uh and I would, would hardly claim credit for like thinking this up. I mean, th- other people expressed this too, which was um, there, there's a lot of argument about around that character. Like that's, yeah. you know, yeah. it's sort of like the, the Gamergate controversy where uh, in order to be misogynistic, <laughs> uh, these, these people, uh, you know, promoting these uh, misogynistic harassment, uh, dream up like a legitimate, you know, justification for it, you know, um, to, to say like, no, 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 it's really about ethics and journalism. And in uh, uh, Last Jedi, it was, no, 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 it's really about her character. It was a bad character. But that, you know, that's no excuse to personally harass the actor. Exactly. Uh, um, but the, uh, but my question was, uh, her, because, you know, in, in, I guess in, in fairness or to look at the whole scene, like, uh, Last Jedi is a movie with, with many strong female leads. So why was she singled out versus, um, uh, uh, Holdo or, you know, why was this like, why was Rose a worse character than Holdo or, um, you know, Ray or something like that. And because there's, I think it's just a, a, there's a shortcut for people going like, Oh, Rose was just a terrible character. So my question was, is it because she's the one who teaches like a, a soft power lesson to Finn um, rather than displaying sort of hard, uh, you, you know, what, what we might call manly strength or something, mm-hmm. you know, like Holdo plays in the boys club because she is like, you know, she ran a ship it's, through it's a goddamn power. other ship yeah, and yeah. like made one of there those no, amazing moments in star Wars history. It's just like, there oh, is well. no harder power. Right. Um, <laughs> Seriously. So, but you know, Rose's purpose in the movie is to teach Finn the lesson that Yoda is trying to teach to, you know, to Luke and Obi-Wan and, and all that, which is, uh, you know, she says to Finn, like, this is how we're going to win, not by fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. And, um, and Yoda says much the same thing in his, you know, famous, uh, fear speech, um, which is the, you know, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Um, that's to me, that's, that's the through line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question is really like, well, is it that these, you know, male audiences who feel like this is a male space, you know, star Wars, um, are, do they just not like being given this soft lesson, the soft power lesson from a woman, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and so they're reacting literally to that, which is weird because in, that make, I, I, you know, it's hard for a rational mind to think, well, I'm I'm upset about the soft power lesson, so I will go be a racist. Yeah, well, let's, <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense. Like you were already a racist. Yeah, well, but I, you I, know, I, 
I think that so there's so much to unpack here, right? Because yeah, like yeah. It's, on we, one it's hand, a minefield, you know, of like us trying to get through it without. <laughs> and let me just for those of you listening here, like you know, if there's any confusion of where our opinions lie. Like it was un, it was unthinkable that uh, this poor woman was driven off of Instagram because everybody was just throwing all these yeah. racist, misogynistic bombs at her. Like that was not cool. But I, the socialist, uh, the, not social, the social psychologist in me. Um, is is just fascinating like well why why did that happen why did these this group of people um and again probably largely men or mostly men or exclusively men why did this group of people do that to her why did this happen and i think you know there's one one layer is they're just you know some of them are just purely racist and misogynist and will do that given any excuse i don't that that can't be all of them I think there's a there's a giant chunk of them that just did not like The Last Jedi. And you can go online to any Reddit forum or comment section on any geeky blog or website, and you'll see them in full force talking, you know, doing everything they can to put The Last Jedi in a column of like disaster. It's like yeah. this was this is not what we wanted. This is not what we were promised. This is terrible. So like there's just the hate for the movie in general is huge. I think on top of that, it's like it's like those people that they needed something, and they you know they were they were, they were hating about the story, the the you know Luke's mischaracterization in their own minds. But I think you add to that this character of Rose, who and I mentioned this to Todd in, in, in our Hangouts discussion. I'm like, if Rose had been like an X-wing pilot that saved the day, I really, really, really don't think she would have been given nearly as much shit as she as she got. I think it's purely, I think a lot of it is, is because of what you just said, that she is a softer character who taught an, you taught a soft power lesson about, you know, based on love and friendship. And that is not something we usually get in a lot of Star Wars movies. You know, well, like think back, when was the last time we got that outside of Yoda or Obi-Wan who weren't women and who also, you know, fought with lightsabers. So it wasn't like Rose didn't do, she didn't have like an action woman Tomb Raider moment. It was like, she was there to serve that character purpose. I never thought about that until you mentioned it. Cause even when we did our last Jedi, re- uh, um, uh, yeah, our last Jedi review, I was like, you know, Rose kind of bothered me. She seemed more just like the, the goo. She seemed like Dory. She was just like the goofy little sidekick that was there. I'm like, what's, why is she here? But you're so right. She's there to deliver that lesson. And and when you think about that, I was like, well, that makes perfect sense. But I think a lot of the people who hated Last Jedi also hate that lesson. And they are there is a right. sort of a tradition in fantasy sci-fi, uh, and especially on the sci-fi side of things, that you know, the lessons and the the motives are all cold. You know, they're usually colder or they're they're you know, they're more masculine. There's not a lot of feminine sort of uh touches or, or aesthetics along for the ride. So I think a lot of boys and a lot of men get into sci-fi and fantasy because of that, because it's like, Hey, look, I know in, in this, in this, and I'll, again, I'll keep using the word franchise fiction in this sort of, in this bucket, I know I'm going to get like, you know, dudes fighting with laser swords and like, you know, ships, <laughs> and, you know, like tactical, tactical, uh, you know, solutions to things. And like, you know, m- violence or, or, or force is like the necessary or, 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 you know, uh, you know, calculated tricksters are, are, you know, are, are, are celebrated and just like every, anything, but love conquers all like that's, I'm not here for that. So when you take love conquers all and you put it in star Wars, where traditionally we haven't had a lot of it or, or hardly any of it that drove, I think that was one more nail in the coffin for a lot of these fans who are like, well, and then, and then just naturally they're going to zero in on Rose. And then by extension, Kelly Marie Tran, like she's the embodiment of all their angst now. It's like, well, and on top of that, I don't have, you know, and, and maybe it's such that I'm not, I'm not 
presuming this for all of them, but maybe it's such that a lot of these fans don't have a lot of that in their own lives. Maybe they don't have a lot of like, you know, really loving friendships or loving relationships where that seems more organic to them. So when you put it in their favorite thing, it, 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 not only quote unquote in their mind ruins their favorite thing, but it also hits really close to home subconsciously or otherwise. And so you've got this perfect storm of like just anger and hatred. And then that just amplifies their own maybe latent racism or misogynism, or it comes out in those, in those filters. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely getting into a minefield to, uh, you know, project onto, onto people, uh, what's going on in their personal psychology. Exactly. I'm not, I'm like, not saying yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, no, I, label everybody this way. I'm just, I'm thinking through all the possibilities of where yes, this might come from. Yes. Of the cauldron of uh, mm-hmm. things that are getting stirred together here to create this poisonous brew. Um, yeah. I, I, so I, one of the things I proposed in our chat was <clears throat> I think a lot of fans were uh, y- yes, there were reasons like, they didn't like Luke's characterization in, in the last Jedi, but there was also a lot of conversation as I recall, like just sort of media conversation, um, hyping the film and about its female leads. Mm -hmm. So I think sort of off the bat, it was positioned as, you know, a very female led star Wars and that got under some people's, you know, skin immediately Mm And they went into it sort of looking for a reason to hate it, maybe. And again, I'm, you know, that's a projection of me trying to well, imagine someone else's pause, psychology. I don't know. Pause about. real quick because it is worth noting that when the Force Awakens came out, the first time we see John Boyega take off his stormtrooper helmet, <clears> a lot of there was there were some racist people out there. They're like a black stormtrooper, or maybe they weren't even racist so much as like they're just they want Star Wars so specifically to be a specific thing that. I mean, maybe it's, and, and then when you see Ray as like the main character, it's like, well, that's what, and, and there were both Daisy Ridley and John Boyega did get some, uh, some, some, you know, heat thrown their way when force awakens came out. I think a lot of that went away after everybody realized the force awakens story wise was very paint by numbers and very checklist. As we mentioned earlier, I think well, the last Jedi, because it was not that it just, it gave, it just gave so many more openings for people to be more angry and, and just like, this is not the star Wars that I, I thought should have happened. Well, I, I, you know, a note about that is that like, so you, I, I definitely see what you're, you know, where, where you're, where you're going with that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not accusing you of this. Uh, if uh, when we see a space, at, like if we say, Oh, I'm not racist. I just want it to be the way it was when I was a child. Mm-hmm. That is to ignore the power structure that made it a movie full of white males. When True. You were a child. Yeah. So, what you're doing is you're saying like, I just want the racist system that was in place 30 years ago, uh, but I'm not a racist, you yeah, know, which yeah, is, yeah. and that's the, that's what I think is the big issue. And that, and the same with sexism is like, if, when you say, well, it was your, traditionally these were, you know, all men. Yeah. It, traditionally it was sexist. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the power structure that was in place. And so we're, tr- you know, um, yeah, that's the minefield for us as white males to <laughs> to navigate and say and like me- we're we're trying to look at it as uh, you know allies and as unbiased as we can and say like yeah let's try to be aware of this power structure. Um, I'm just but- trying to think through how some like because like I mean for me like I look. It, it's whoever's making the movie can do whatever the hell they want. Like if that's their version of star Wars, they want to put out there. That's awesome. I'll go see it. 
and I'll judge it more on the the technical aspects than anything yeah. else. But like, like I don't, I, I'm not so invested in it that like, you know, if you want to make, right. want to re- reboot all of Star Wars with Luke as a woman, go for it. Like, I loved Battlestar Galactica because Starbuck was a girl. Like, that was a great, great choice. I'm, I am predisposed to female. Um, yeah. Um, uh, um, antagonist or uh, protagonist rather I, I and to and antagonist too but like I love female protagonists so like I don't care I'm just trying to like rationalize through the psychology of these fans <laughs> that like well, it's, it's, to it's, me it's, well, go I, ahead I, I, mean, I can talk about a little bit more about Rose to me like so okay so again like the psychology of the fans um, and maybe this will give you some more fodder is like it, so if you go into it thinking like the conversation around it is about these strong women and then you see Rose and there's this sort of side quest to the casino planet that I'd never remember the name of. Um, I, you know, maybe you go like, what's the purpose of her? But to me that, uh, like I said, that purpose is the lesson she teaches Finn. It's very important that she is the one that rescues Finn at the end and mm-hmm. tells him that mm-hmm. rather than that being Poe. Yeah. And um, although as much as it would have made sense if like, you know, Poe and Finn went on to have like, a romantic relationship. I think it was also to, to place, there was something about, you know, there's a connection that Rose and Finn have that Finn and Ray do not have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe people just, you know, were upset about that. But my, what I think is missing from this too, is that Rose is a, although she is the one that teaches the soft power lesson and she is the softer character in that regard. She is talking about love. She is, um, she is a uh, half of a whole, like you brought up. Um, what if she were an X-wing pilot who made some heroic maneuver that saved them all? That was Rose's twin sister page who mm-hmm. made a heroic, uh, you know, move that saved everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rose is part of that. You know, page dies holding onto her necklace. That is one half of the other half that Rose holds. Mm-hmm. So Rose is this split character or to me, Rose and page are like one half of them is hard power and militaristic. And the other mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, is uh, smarts and, and great heart. And um, that, I don't know. I, to me, that's what makes it beautiful. And like, that's a great pairing of characters there. You that are literally twins, Rose you know? to me in a way I never thought about before. Cause you're right. <laughs> it is, they are two halves of the same whole. And, we just it, in in this particular because like in 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 other versions of stories like this, the Rose character would have died first, and her like hard ass sister would be trying to avenge her, right? Like this is the opposite yeah. for the for once. It's the yeah. opposite where the hard ass sister gets killed, and then the the you know the loving, slightly more tender version of that is is the one trying to. So it's like, and this this leads into another question. I think this was something else I wanted to get into. When Todd and I were talking about this, I I had asked, is there any other are there any other examples in fiction? And again, franchise fiction. I'm not talking about like little indie stuff or left of center stuff. I'm talking about like mainstream franchise fiction. Is there another example where there's a character like this that's specifically a woman that specifically serves that narrative function that's embraced by fandom or that exists at all? And as I was taking inventory, I'm like, man, there's not, there are hardly any. And the one, like the one really good example I can think of is an animated example, which is Howl's Moving Castle, a Studio Ghibli movie, which is, if you've never seen it, it's my favorite Studio Ghibli movie. It's just gorgeous. It's the most charming little movie for a rainy day that you're ever going to meet, you're ever going to find. And it's the main character is this girl in this village who is exactly that. 
and she gets turned into an old lady at the very beginning of the movie. And she has, and she and the, the wizard Howl, who's voiced by Christian Bale in the American uh, dub, she, uh, she basically has to meet Howl and, and try to like help him along, but she does it completely through soft power means. The entire movie is just that. Like she, you know, she finds ways to like, you know, help him out. She tends around the house. She like, she, she goes off and like, you know, kind of negotiates things for him, but she's, she doesn't like brandish a wand or anything or does some like, you know, amazing epic thing she's just there and she's just herself and she's using what she has that she knows and like you know sort of the just her natural abilities to to help the story and she's the main character and it's beautiful i think it works because it is animated i don't know if it would work as well if it was live action i'm curious to see if i would feel the same or if if it would be as embraced because studio ghibli has an aesthetic that i think reinforces characters like that um other other movies that came to mind, but where it's not a, a, a female character, one is Samwise Gamgee in Lord of the Rings. Samwise, for the most part, is the Rose character of Lord of the Rings. He gets a badass moment or two, so I think yeah. that that changes that equation a little bit. But even, think about this. like A lot of people rag on the end of Lord of the Rings, and they, they rag on or they make fun of that scene where Frodo's, you know, he's recovered. Spoilers, he lives. Um, and, and Sam is standing in the doorway and they, they sort of exchange the set kind of look like, man, we've been through some shit together. And, and Sam was like the, the one guy the entire time that was trying to tell, you know, Frodo, like, you know, don't lose your path. Like, you know, like, you know, friendship is going to get us through this. Like we're, you know, I, I'm here for you. And everybody kind of treats that scene like, oh, well, they're gay for each other. And it's like, well, even if they were, who cares? But that's not, I think that's not the right conclusion to draw from that. The conclusion to draw is, look, Sam has been his friend and has given him love and support this entire time, through this entire epic journey. It's okay for them to exchange, a, a, you know, kind of a, a, a silent moment of like, we did it. We did it together, you know, and like, yeah. and other scenes in The Hobbit, you know, in Lord of the Rings at the end, play with that. Like, it's like, look, once all the, the you know, the, the the masculine action is over. A lot of the end of Lord of the Rings is just like all these wonderful little moments where it's like, look, we love each other, and you know, we're we're always going to be here. And what happens if we're not? And I think that threw a lot of people off. But it, you know, there was a heavy, healthy dose of a lot of those characters having action moments, and be, because they were men, I think it's a little different. The yeah. other one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to, I, cause actually, right. So before we started recording, I asked you like, you know, are you sure about including, uh, 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 Sam in this, um, you, for simply for that fact that he's, he's not a woman and, and your point on like him being the softer character and teaching the, the softer lessons, what I, you know, I was like, oh, okay, we'll see how this goes. But as you, as you were just saying that I was thinking, um, yeah, on one hand, you're right. Like, if they are in a romantic relationship, that's fine. Yeah. I think what uh, uh, the reason, like, that does give us a great, uh, <laughs> what you said, it does give us, a, like, that's a great reason to speculate on that. Like, is are, do we jump to the romantic relationship conclusion because we're thinking of that, like, that's how we react to someone showing that soft power, you know? And what it also made me think was what if that character had been a woman yeah. would fandom have treated it more like oh, this, you know, this nag that's always talking about love when he just needs to go destroy the ring, you know, or would it, or would it, or would, would fandom have just immediately shipped them? Like, well, they have to be together. And it's like, yeah. I think that's just as, it's not as destructive because you're not like, you know, nobody's going to Sean Astin's Instagram page saying you're gay for Frodo. Like right. that's not happening. Well, no, I, that probably didn't happen. <laughs> well, at least at that point. But like, 
But like, I wonder if Lord of the Rings came out, if if you know, if there would be some consternation around how Sean Astin played Sam. Like, would it be? Would would there be? If that were new today, with all of the access to social media and just like haters everywhere and fan culture being what it is, would would Sean Astin have gotten as much flack for that? I I almost think he kind of would have gotten a lot more. I think it's just as it's the conclusion to draw that well, they're gay for each other. Like, even if they were, that's that's not what Tolkien intended. So like, that's, that's the only thing that matters. It's like, what was, what did Tolkien want? Did he, did he would have put them in a relationship if he wanted that. Um, And if he did, that would be fine. That's hard to say in the thirties or forties or whatever, but in the book, uh, Sam gets married at the end. Exactly. But it's like, just it, it, it's, it, I bring this up as an example because it's like, Sam is, is, is using soft power. It's just as, misguided to, to draw the conclusion like well he and frodo should be in a relationship that's like can't they just be friends yeah. no uh, yeah know? no i think that's the really important distinction is like we are our, our sort of brains we just jump to like it must be a romantic relationship if soft power is involved like if it's two dudes it should just be you know vin diesel and the rock you know having yeah. having yeah. In, in their contract that neither of them can lose a fight against the other in fast and the furious yeah exactly you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, another, are, yeah, can't uh, lose. <laughs> and, and Fast and Furious is, is interesting because you know they do they do talk a lot about family and like you know you know brotherly love and that kind of stuff at the end and you know family is always like a huge thing. But that is so small in terms of the grand scheme of things in Fast and the Furious that it's that's you can't use that as an example. But what right, you can right, right, use right. Uh, one other one that came to mind, um, pre- and, and it's surprising this didn't hit me last week when we were talking about this, but Harry Potter is largely based on and, and and I'll even give you like a specific character like Luna Lovegood. What is she except for soft power writ large? Mm. You know like she from the moment we meet Luna all oh. she's talk I mean she's got like a care for the animals. She's like she's she's the most innocent character in all of Harry Potterdom. And yeah, she brandishes a wand once or twice, but like it's not like she's not leading the charge in that way. It's usually she's part of a group and she's like, you know, we're we're protecting ourselves, but her entire character exists to teach Harry the lesson of friendship. And, you know, like to, mm. and to re and other characters do that too. She's not the only one thinking in, in the last Jedi Rose is almost exclusively that. Um, but in Harry Potter, like, you know, Hermione, H- Harry himself, like they're all talking about like, you know, love will save the day. Our friendship will save the day. And yeah, we have to use our wands too. And, you know, there's, you know, there's the big epic battle sequences, but I don't, you know, I don't see the actress who plays Luna. Like, and again, this was a different time, you know, almost we're coming up on, 10-ish years since that all ended. But like, I don't see Luna, that actress getting at all that kind of, that that kind of, you know, just, just hate. And I think in that case, it's because that's what JK wrote, you know, in the books, Luna is this way. So this thing that we love from the beginning was engineered to have all this in it. Right. So like, you don't, I, I, I would be hard pressed to find any Harry Potter, like diehard fans say, this isn't my Harry Potter. It's like, no, no, no. Like this, this is all loyal to what JK created. I, you yeah. know, in 20 years, if they reboot Harry Potter and they make him, you know, they make all the wizards badass and like, you know, there's not any mention of soft power. I wonder what the reaction will be like. I wonder if people will be just as disgusted as some of these fans are about last Jedi, you know, cause well, it will now, feel different. Wasn't there a stage show of Harry Potter where the lead was a uh, female person of color? Hermione was black in the Cursed Child in the London okay. cast. I don't know about other versions. Oh, of it. but but uh, w- there wasn't one where where Harry had been um, gender flipped to to be a girl. No, I don't think they've okay. gender flipped Harry. It was just when they'd made uh, yeah 
It was Romani sure. was race yeah. flipped, but I, I mean, there was like a mention of it, but not really, not really much well, came out. I, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like they were hounding that actress to her death, you know, like, well, I, I mean, I think that's, and we brought up, like I brought up the doctor who thing to you, or you said it would be interesting once this new season starts with Jodie Whittaker. Okay, um, let's, but what that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's the other really good example here. So for the first time ever, they took a character who was, who's always been a male and they made it a woman and it's Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. And when that change first happened, there was a lot of like, Oh my God, I'm so like, I've waited so long. And there was a little bit of like, really the doctor's a woman, but there wasn't the, at, and nowhere that I have looked and I've been looking for two years. There has been nothing like, the anger towards the last Jedi when they cast the doctors, a woman, there was, you know, there were some disappointed fans and there was some like, well, I'll wait and see, you know, but there wasn't like, you know, there, there wasn't just these campaigns of hate spewing across the internet. Some publications tried to make it seem like there were, and there was, and a lot of people actually like the BBC and even Jody Whitaker was like, that's not true. There's not, nobody's been harassing me. I mean, there's been a few, you know, nonsense comments, but it's been largely, a positive or a patient reaction. And I think a lot of that is because we haven't seen episodes yet. You know, it was yeah. announced, but we haven't seen what that looks and feels like yet. If they fundamentally change what the doctor is like, I think mm-hmm. you're going to see that fandom re- rear its ugly head. I don't, I do not think that's, I think if anything, it's going to be the, one of the more loyal depictions of the doctor we've ever had because they know if they screw around too much, it's going to, it's going to create havoc. Like they've got to, because the doctor is now a woman, they've got to stick to some of those things that are true to the doctor, you know, sort of the, the unsafe aloofness and the, you know, the, the doctor's always been incredibly intellectual, incredibly, you know, smart and brilliant. Like all those things are still going to be there. It's just going to be a woman doing it. I think that'll be fine. You know, if they had cast a black actor as the doctor, would be the same i think it would be exactly the same thing it's like well let's let's if as long as they're not changing what the doctor is this is okay um i think the last jedi changed fundamentally what a lot of people wanted star wars to be and i think the idea of a character a, a female character that that drives the narrative component of soft power was a huge part of that that's just my speculation yeah so Going back to something, uh, this this will be a good closer. Going back to something you said at the beginning when we were talking about comics was you said with comics, uh, you're able to sort of read, like when I was talking about Black Panther, you said, uh, yeah, with comics, I'm able to read it and go, well, that wasn't bad, but it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is the issue with these uh, movies, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like an open question. That I don't think we, you know, we don't really have time today to continue discussing, but is it, you know, is Star Wars so old, like it's been around for so long that people aren't willing to just say, you know what, Last Jedi just wasn't for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but that that is really what they should do. You know, when when we were talking about this uh, and and you, I, I, you know, I, I think had not, you hadn't sort of gotten into the weeds of the, the actual like harassment that, uh, you know, Kelly had suffered. Like, I don't think you'd read any of the comments and stuff that had been left on her Instagram which I had. Um, so uh, I, um, there, you were sort of like, well, are they, you know, you're, you're putting it like, is it just a discussion about her character? And I was saying, I don't, it doesn't matter. She didn't write the character. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to the creator of it to voice their, 
complaints, but even if they had complaints, like that's a, to me, that's kind of a nonsense thing. Like you don't go to the creator to voice your complaints. You, you can put it in a forum and say, you know, I didn't care for this. It wasn't for well, me. I Period. think fan culture is, I mean, good. Like I mentioned to you, Ron Howard had to come out with a goddamn video apology essentially for solo. That's like, why he didn't have to do that. Like nobody, but yeah, it's, it's, I think fan culture is to that place now where it's like, and it's not, it's not healthy. I'm not saying no, it's no, no, right. Right. I think good, that's like, I think fan culture has gotten to the point now where, especially with these franchises that have been around for so long, Star Trek, Star Wars, James Bond. I remember when they cast Daniel Craig, there was a lot of like, what? It's not my James Bond. They just, there wasn't a hashtag around at the time to, to put with it. But like, I think there's, there, there are these. <laughs> I was trying so hard. <laughs> oh, but see, but think about hashtag that. Like, bond is not a blonde. <laughs> I mean, there you go. Like, I remember that was, I mean, and that was a white dude who, I mean, at that time, it, it I, I think fan culture has evolved since even then to where there's a lot of groups, a lot of tribalism that's very entitled. Yeah. And that entitled feeling will manifest itself in the ugliest ways possible where you might have. And I, again, I'm just speculating. I'm trying to rationalize this because I'm fascinated by where, how people get to this point. But you may have a fan who in his day-to-day life has nothing negative to say about a woman or a woman of color or you know they'll go through their day they, they they're not standing on the street corner making lewd comments they will they would never do that but when you trip the wire of this is something that they care so much about this fantasy world that's been built for them and you start to mess with it it manifests in these really ugly ways and you it, it's and, and and not everybody who's been ripping on 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 kmt has said some i mean i've gone back and looked a lot of it was just ugly and disgusting, but some of it wasn't. Some of it was just like, I hate you and your care. Like I hate you and Rose and you ruined star Wars. Like yeah. it's that, that I'm most and it. You wouldn't 20 years ago. You, somebody might think that, but there would be no form for their nowhere for them to like, you know, they could write an angry letter, but that would be the extent. Well, of right. It. it wouldn't get to the act actor herself who had portrayed that character. Exactly. Now, now it's like an immediate, you know, it's like you post this and, and it alerts her phone. You but know. do you, uh, yeah, yeah, Jesus. I mean, I mean, it, but you, you're, you're right. Like, the, I, but I would hate to look at it as fan culture. I would hate to look at it and not that you are, I would hate to look at it as like, um, well, we just can't change fan culture. That's just where we are. I mean, to me, it's like, no, that's toxic. And we have to discuss that, uh, you know, this just universal thing of like, if you always perceive the world through the power structure that you're used to mm-hmm. uh, and you are in a privileged uh, group or class, then yeah, you're not going to see racism and misogyny and, uh, you know, sexism, uh, uh, homophobia, all these things at large. I mean, I think, you know, not, um, to be a little bit general about it, but political is that that is a, there's a large movement in our country of, you know, let's, <laughs> let's go back to a way we used to be. And the subtext of that is I am not comfortable with the power structure changing. Yeah. But you know? yeah, yes, yes. But in the, in the context of fiction, franchise fiction, there's a big, I, I don't buy that entirely because you've got Gene Roddenberry from the beginning set up Star Trek to get around all that. And we've had right. so many female captains and especially like uh, discovery has a black female captain right now. Right. And it's like, Nobody, I, 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 I would be hard pressed to find anything above a, a, a murmur of, of complaint against that. Cause the entirety of star Trek, which has now existed for 50 plus years, Gene Roddenberry from the beginning was like, this is going to be like, he engineered that to be exactly what it was. So it's like, it's, it, you could have, you know, an all female crew and nobody's going to really say much. They'd be like, well, that's interesting, but there's not going to be like, not, yeah. you know, not my star Trek. Like, well, there just I'm, isn't that. 
Right. But I, I mean, start- I think you're almost making that that example is like when Gene Roddenberry set it up, he set it up to say we're dismantling the power structure of the yes. six with yes. this sci-fi creation. And it's also important to to figure out that like Star Wars happens in the past. Yeah. <laughs> Star yeah, well, Wars was a long, long time ago. And uh, yeah, so maybe they're just a more. <laughs> you're right about the, the the context in which Star Wars was created was at a cultural time when these hierarchies were different, and so I get I get that I get like it's based in that, but I really do think the the it is le- it, to me, and this may be this may be entirely naive, but I think just based on the the who it is, the context it was from, because like I said, this isn't just some random Asian woman being picked out of the ether randomly and being like, it's, it's, it was specifically Rose and specifically the last Jedi in this star Wars. So it's like, I really do think fundamentally at the core, it is this discussion about soft power and that in star Wars specifically, we haven't seen a lot of it. And for it to be and and it's, it's, I would, I would challenge anyone still listening. If you are still listening, you just haven't gotten near like either confused or angry, like, (laughs) like, like really think through any stories where, soft power was delivered by a female character and why or why not? Why haven't we seen more of it? I, I do think it's a problem that there isn't more of it and it's not yeah. because if there was, I don't think Rose would be nearly, I think Rose would be a lot more identifiable. I think she'd be a lot more accepted and I think people would get to the place that you got to, which is like, no, she's in the story because of this. She's here to teach Finn this lesson and she's, you know, her sister was the other half of that and we're just taking a path where for once, you know, the, the character who's not like the immediate badass is having to deliver that message, you know? So it's like that, and that's beautiful, but it's like, where are all these other examples of it outside of the, the couple that I banged through just now? Like, are there, yeah. I, I don't see a lot. Well, of no, I mean, we, we put that call out on our, on our Twitters, uh, you know, of like, what are, what are some examples of this female showing soft power in a male space? And, and we got no replies. I mean, we, yeah, we got yeah. one reply that was uh, uh, from a friend of mine about a horror movie, um, which we're definitely going to check out, but um, uh, you know, it was not as it was more of like, hey, what do you think about this movie? It wasn't um, a specific instance of this character in this movie. Even- uh, and I, I, I'm glad you brought it back to the soft power thing because I think that's uh, that is the big question, and it's not. You know, this is something I see in in my jobs in in tech industries is that uh, in male spaces like that women who can like hang with the boys mm. are accepted, you yeah. know, like, see, I'm not a, a sexist. Like I, you know, uh, uh, this, you know, this woman makes lewd jokes so she can hang out with us, but we're the, the men in the male space are much more uncomfortable with a, a, just a feminine presence in that space, you know? Bingo. And so Bingo. instead of, we don't need more, I mean, although like atomic blonde is great, you know, it's more like to to kind of start putting, uh, to start teaching these male spaces a better lesson about how how we all interact. Uh, we need more roses and mm. less pa- less pages, you know, yeah, uh, or, or I, less less holdos or something, or less you know, Laura Crofts, uh, all those yeah. characters that are dude you, that that I couldn't have summed it up better. Like that's exactly it. It's like you, we have no problem as a as a as a male centered geek culture, accepting the atomic blondes, accepting the Laura Crofts, the Katniss Everdeen's even, you know, cause they are badasses. They're like, you know, yeah. they're one of the boys. You're right. Rose. And even like, as you were talking to, I was thinking 
um, Sharon and what's the other sister from Chronicles of Narnia, the the littler one. Um, <laughs> I just forgot her name. Damn it! I want to say want to say Peggy. That's not right. But the two girls from Nar- Narnia, like they're largely rose, but then you know towards the end they whip out you know swords and knives and start you know going into battle. So it's almost like that. Like oh, but they're really one of the boys. You know, like there's Rose never has that. Her sister does, but she doesn't. And so it's like, I, you're so right. We need more examples. We need people. If you're, if you're a writer, if you're a creator, you're thinking about this. Next time you write something, just dabble with the idea. Like, you know, try to put yeah. somebody in there who's, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a woman, but just the idea of soft power where there's not this extra, you know, like twist of, oh, but they're the funny character or, oh, but they're the bad, secretly the badass. You know, they're going to have their moment. Like Sandy in Greece you know, has her badass moment at the end when she comes out in all the leather and it's like, oh, now she's one of the, like, you kind of, you, well, you start to really like Sandy then if you're, you know, at that point. So it's like, <laughs> you know, where is... That is a perfect example. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I had a friend explain that to me uh, and he was like, you know, when she's just like all girlish, they don't like her. And then when she turns into this <laughs> total tramp and she's all in leather, it was like, Boom. yeah, all right. Boom. Um, no, I yeah. This I this really this soft power question really has me thinking. Um, and especially as we look ahead to Game of Thrones, I think we're going to have so much to talk about there because mm. Game of Thrones, uh, like all, substitutes soft power for like cunning. You know, it's like there may not be women that like pick up swords, but they. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of specifically like Cersei, you know, there's someone who's politically cunning. Yeah. Uh, that's so it's, it's not, but it, that's still a hard power, you know, yeah, who, totally. who in game of Thrones displays any message of like love and acceptance, you know, probably just Sam, just, you know, that's, <laughs> the, right. I mean, I, that's just, and even it, you know, even he's grabbing Soft a power, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could never, I mean, there's, there's never going to be a good place to like wrap this up because we could really just talk forever about this. And, and the more we talk about it, the more I want to talk about it. Cause I just want right. to uh, deconstruct all of these. It's, yeah. It's, it's something I'll, 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 I'll throw this in. This is the last thing I say. I, the reason I wanted to have this discussion via the podcast is because I think you stumbled onto something that could be as relevant, if not more so than the Bechdel test. You know, if you're listening, oh, if, you, right. if you know what the Bechtel test is, go Google that. But like, and that has been around and, and has been a topic of discussion around, you know, cult, you know, geek culture and just like, you know, content culture for a while now. This is, this is kind of a, a tangential relationship to the Bechtel test, but I feel like this deserves like, you know, the Todd equation. Like we need something to define <laughs> this because like, it's I true. Know, like, how many movies the, where soft power is, is, is illustrated and are accepted or how, how many pieces of fiction where soft power is intentionally in, you know, included where there's not some kind of twist and it's accepted and not, you know, derided. Like, you know, we yep. need something for, to define all that. Yeah. The, the Rose Tycho test, the Rose Tycho. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Can a, can a female character be display soft power in a male space and be accepted? I love it. <laughs> Let's- <laughs> <laughs> okay, while we're uh, formulating, you know, our, our all our test subjects, uh, where can people find this podcast? You can find us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh typically SoundCloud and, and also wherever podcasts are found. We're still not on Spotify yet. We're working on that. Um, our distributor now has the ability to hook us into Spotify. So hopefully soon you can also find us online. Uh, the network is the, their network and you can find us, find us there.org. 
um, or there.network. Both of those point to the same place. And uh, find me on Twitter. I'm by Taylor Trask on Twitter and Instagram. What about you? I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram as at Hey Todd A. I guess the at is implied. I'm Hey Todd A. There you go. (laughs) Hey Todd A. Well, that was was an engaging conversation. We, We will think about this and maybe come back to it at some point but uh next week we'll have more comics and more coffee for you back to usual next week yeah i'll look forward to it see you then